Luke 6, verse... Make sure I get this verse right. Thirty-six. This was the verse that I alluded to this morning that comes at the end of what is a parallel teaching to the Sermon on the Mount, known to some as the Sermon on the Plains, uh, but very similar in what Jesus teaches um, with some slight variations, but you can really see the parallel in them. Um, And I want to read the last verse and then jump back to the Sermon on the Mount and read a verse out of the Sermon on the Mount that is very similar. Luke 6, 36. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Not talking about your blood father, but he's talking about the heavenly father. Be merciful even as your father is merciful. Now, I want to point that out and then flip back to the Sermon on the Mount, and I want you to see there is a very similar statement made by Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount with slight variation, but I think we're kind of getting at the same thing. Matthew 5 Verse 48. So remember our beatitude is blessed are those or blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. Well, in the Sermon on the Plain, he says, be merciful as your father is merciful. But in the beatitudes, in the Sermon, I mean, I'm sorry, in the Sermon on the Mount, In 5.48, he says, You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. So, here's what I think we could deduce based off of those parallel passages. How well are you going to do on the perfection part? Not so good. And I would venture a guess that we probably wouldn't do so good on the merciful part. Um, basically it's like saying if, if, if the Bible says do something as God does it, the point is you can't, but that doesn't mean we're not striving, but it is to say you must rely on him who you are trying to be like, basically apart from God. It is impossible. Um, I don't know how many of y'all go to Ash Flat very often. We were, you know, about, it, I don't know, it was a year ago, driving through, and you get to Glencoe, and all of a sudden there was a mountain of black dirt just two stories high and as wide as that gas station and as deep as that gas station. I'm thinking, what in the world? Well, it turns out, Long story short, I'm pretty sure it's the the rock they used to to redo the road from there all the way through Salem. Because we went by the other day and it was it was there and then one day you looked and it was it was gone and it was a lot of rock. And so I was thinking about this uh 
and the impossibility of being perfect or merciful apart from God. Imagine, and I'm telling you, this rock pile was big. It was huge. It was literally the gas station on its twice and as round and deep as it. Now, if I told you, you got three days to take this shovel and go take that pile and get it on the other side of the road. That's as, that's as, as possible as it is to be perfect or as merciful. If I told you you had a year, I don't even know if you could do it in your lifetime. If you had one shovel to move that pile of rock across the street. But the point is, you can try, you can spend as much time as you want. You cannot reach the perfection that is required. You cannot be as merciful as required is without the assistance of the Holy Spirit. It's impossible. Um, this command to be merciful even as your Father is merciful is a reminder of what we need from God. Um, look at John 7. So we've got a few verses to flip through this evening. Uh, and this is just kind of the way it is as we go through these Beatitudes. It's really topical kind of seeing the the topic and the beatitude throughout Scripture. But in John 7, we can see see this idea of receiving something from God in order that it might flow from us. Uh, And this passage is very important. John 7, um, 37. And it has very many wide implications and teachings, but what I basically want us to see is, is as we receive from God, it flows from us. Verse 37, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. So that's kind of a... Sounds similar to hunger and thirst for righteousness, as we, as we looked at in the last Beatitude. Um, seeking after righteousness, seeking after Christ. We hunger and thirst for Him. We're satisfied in Him. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scriptures has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And it really reminded me of our conversation with the woman at the well this morning and the uh, and what she was receiving, living water from Jesus. And he says, those who drink, those who thirst and drink from him, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Uh, I'll kind of go off notes here. It sounds a lot opposite of, similar to that passage. I think we looked at it this morning with the Pharisees, that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? And so if the Pharisees are speaking evil because of their heart is evil, I, I think we can, we can deduce here that 
what Jesus is doing to a, a Christian, a believer, is he's changing them on the inside so that out of his heart will not flow the sin, but will flow living water, will flow godliness, will flow holiness, will flow mercy. All that we receive from Christ should come in us, affect us to the point that it goes away from us to others. How? Look at the rest of it. Verse 39. Now this he said about the Spirit in whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. And so... Again, as we look back at this idea of the Spirit of God changing us in order that we might be different, that we might act different, we might think different, we might seek different, our affections would change. The Spirit of God does this for us. Um, I'm sure most of you have been to the Mammoth Spring in Mammoth Spring. It's like a ridiculous amount of water that pumps out of that a day. Like 90 million gallons. I don't think I'm over-exaggerating that. I think that's what it is. It's like 90 million gallons a day. Now that's the kind of spring we want to be. Right? I've got, I've got tons of wet weather springs around our house. And they're just annoying. Because they just always leave the ground wet. I don't get anything from it. I don't want to take that analogy too far. But the idea is that we want to be the 90 million gallons a day springs that the living waters are flowing from. We don't want to be just this little trickle here and there. Whenever it rains, then we, you know. No, regardless of what's going on, we're pumping out 90 million gallons of living water from our hearts. And this is what, you know, this goes to what we're discussing as far as what Miss Faye's talking about, about being, being there for people in the community, being there for people who are in need. Why we want to provide for organizations that are doing, like, we want life to come from us individually and collectively. And it, I think it, uh, it has a lot to do with mercy. It has a lot to do with Having compassion towards the people that are out there, to the people that are of the world. And we'll, we'll see in the, as we finish, go into the Sermon on the Mount, it's not towards the people whom it's easy to be compassionate to. Jesus doesn't pat people on the back when they're, when they're really compassionate to their sister. Uh, he loves that, but what does he say? He goes, it's easy to love someone who loves you. But it's a lot harder to love someone who hates you. And that's when mercy, that's when the rubber really meets the road. That's when people really see Christ in us. Is when they see, did you see how he was so nice to that guy who was being such a jerk? Or did you hear about what Ozark's Bible Church did for that family who 
lost whatever. I don't even think they believe in God. The family. That's the acts of mercy. The living water that we want coming and flowing from us. It only comes through this the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. Our mercy has to be fruit. It has to be... like It's garden season. If... I got some ups and downs over here. It's garden season. And if you plant plants and you see this green and it's so beautiful and the, the corn doesn't come out, I mean, what good was that husk? What good was it? We want to see the fruit of the Spirit coming forth from us. That is why we that is one of the reasons why we've been given the Spirit. Mercy should be a fruit of the Spirit coming out of us as we depend on God. So that's a, that's one of the things we've got to understand with mercy. Being merciful is it is only through the Holy Spirit that we can obey this. A, a second thing about being merciful, and this is all going to be a little bit redundant, is it begins with selflessness. Mercy begins with selflessness. Think about the Pharisees. They were not merciful because they were all about themselves. To be merciful, you have to lack pride. To be merciful, you have to lack pride. They cannot coexist. There's no way that you could be compassionate towards someone if you think you're somebody or you've made yourself something. You won't. You can't. And when we are full of pride, it's as if there is a mountain between us and being merciful. We cannot, we cannot overcome that mountain, the mountain of pride, to be compassionate and have pity upon those who might need mercy. Pride will always stop us. Now, we might, you know, try to do something good or here or there, but I would ask, does our acts make people think and say, wow, there's something different about that person. That's just not your typical person. There's something different. That's when you see the mercy of Christ in someone. It begins with selflessness. You think about what Jesus said. Uh, he's the obviously the ultimate example. He's the ultimate example of selflessness. And that's what we, what we started with is that Jesus is our foundation for mercy, but he's also our perfect example. And Luke 9.23 says, he says, if you're going to follow me, which if you're a believer, you're a follower. If you're going to follow Jesus, if you're going to be saved, if you're going to be a part of the church, you must deny yourself. Deny yourself. You must pick up your cross. I'm going to turn this.
To follow Christ, you must deny yourself. One. That's, oh, that's another impossible thing without the Spirit. You must pick up your cross, which doesn't mean bear burden. It means die to yourself. Jesus picked up his cross and he died. It's not, oh, I'm going to carry a cross, so, I, but that's my cross to bear is raising my kids. Or my cross to bear is that I work at the shelter or the food pantry. No, when we pick up our cross, it signifies death to self. And we cannot go and be merciful if we're not willing to die to ourself. Pick up our cross, or deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and then he says, follow. And he does it. He does it. And we see in Philippians 2. Look at Philippians 2. Starting in verse 3. Philippians 2, starting in verse 3. As Christ being our example uh, of being selfless, not proud, so that we can be merciful. It says, verse 3, chapter 2, Philippians, Do not or do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility. So if you think of the word humility, this is what I want you to think of every time you hear the word humility. This. Everybody look at me. Humility. This. Down. While someone else is above you. This is humility. This is the, that's what, how the Bible is describing humility. Not like being pitiful in a corner, but lowering yourself is humility. While, and while you're lowering yourself, you're raising something else above you. Now look how, look how Jesus does this. Do not, or but in humility, count others more significant than yourself. The only way you're going to be merciful to someone is if you're going to humble yourself and count the other person to be of more significance. And you might think, man, that's, what if they don't deserve it? That's the whole point. They don't. You didn't. But look what Jesus does. Let each of us not own, or let us each not look to his own interest, but to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped or to help be held on to. But emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the, in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So let's, let's just remember who he's doing this for. The wretched sinner. The unrighteous. Or as he would say, the sick. Not the healthy. This is an act of selfless humility, mercy for the sake of unrighteous sinners. This is our example. Uh, is it, this is an easy trap for us to fall into as people who are ingrained in cultural Christianity. And we're in the Bible Belt, so we are. We're raised this way. We're raised to be... Um, we're raised to be good, right? We're raised to have manners. 
we're raised to, to be called Christians. Um, but when you consider, when you think and live in that manner is when you become a Pharisee. When you get ingrained in the culture and not in Christ, you become a hypocrite. You raise the standard for everyone else. You lower the standard for yourself and you show no mercy or compassion to other people. This is a huge problem in cultural Christianity where Christ isn't the center, but it's the culture that they live in. Uh, number three, and I touched on that this this morning uh, from God's perspective, but here in our perspective of being merciful, mercy is rooted in love. Like if you're merciful to someone, get this, you just loved them. If you are merciful to someone, you just love them. I imagine we talked about plants earlier. I imagine in a garden, love is the plant and the blossom that comes from it is mercy. The beauty that comes from love would be an act of mercy. You might say, and I think about it. Have you ever thought of like, like what is love? Like, what is that? And our world is just kind of ran it to the ground. I think if you wanted an easy way of looking at love, it's acts of mercy. Constantly. I mean, just look at your marriage. Look at raising kids. And you look at Jesus. To love someone is to always look to be merciful to them. Um, you know, and I want us as Ozarks Bible Church to always, this kind of goes back to what I was saying. I want us to always remember, I want us to always, let me rephrase this. We need to be known for our love. Not the beautiful whatever of our place. Not um, how great everything looks or how structured everything is or how well we feed the kids or yeah, nothing. I want Ozarks Bible Church to be known for loving people like Christ loved them. So they have no excuse. So someone has no excuse to not say that they don't know the love of Christ because they've had an encounter with someone at Ozarks Bible Church who knows the love of Christ and shown them the love of Christ. This is a black eye on the, on the church today. Uh, and it it doesn't seem fair. You know, we got a lot of people against us. Uh, that shouldn't matter. No matter how bad the world gets, it shouldn't change how we act towards the world. The same way Jesus acted to the woman at the well, the same way Jesus acted to the prostitute, to the tax collector, 
It began with love. Now, with that in mind, well, let me let me give an example. And I don't who sacked Rome. Someone remind me who overtook Rome. I can't remember. I think so. So here's what happened when the Medes and the Persians overtook Rome. They were Rome had a, a pretty large Christian culture population. And while the Roman army was getting handed by their enemies, do you know who served them? The Christian community served the Roman army, opened up their homes. They weren't made to quarter the army. They opened up their homes for these soldiers who were getting their tails whipped. They... But do you know who'd been persecuting them? The same Roman government that they were opening their doors to. And the irony of the whole thing is that when it was over and Rome was done, do you know who they blamed? The Christians. So did the Christians do wrong in being loving and merciful to the ones who persecuted them? Because it had a bad effect on their reputation? By no means. We should expect that. When we act loving and kind and merciful to the world, expect a thank you and maybe a stab in the back. And you praise God for it. And then you do it again. And then you do it again. That's Christ-likeness. That's being merciful. So with that in mind, though, we have to know that in... sounds It sounds pretty weak. And that's the excuse you're going to get from some believers. Well, that's pretty weak. We're not weak. Mercy is not easy on sin. Right? Mercy is not easy on sin, does not give sin a pass... But it's gentle towards the sinner. Mercy is not easy or gives a pass to sin, but it is gentle towards the sinner. And that doesn't mean you've got to take both sides of that statement. Jesus told him, What did he tell the man who he, uh, no, he told the prostitute. What did he tell the prostitute as she's walked away? Sin no more. He drew the line. He would not budge on sin, but he was merciful and gentle to the sinner. So, mercy does not make us weak but it makes us strong for spiritual things, for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of souls. And the same thing. Mercy is not slack or easy on truth. We hold truth and we do not abandon it, but we are patient with those who don't know it. Or patient with those who misunderstand it. You know, you think about 
going back to the sin, mercy's not easy on sin, but gentle towards the sinner. And you go back to that psalm I read this morning, Psalm 5, where it is very blatant that God abhors the sinner. But you've got to understand two things. You're not God. That's not, you are not the one who hammers the gavel. And number two, while God abhors the sinner, why are they still alive? Mercy. It says that he destroys them. But Romans 2 says, in his kindness, in his patience, he's giving them chance to repent. He's giving them time. And that is mercy. And for those who do not, those who take that time and step on it, they're only heaping up condemnation and wrath. And so while God does abhor and hate all evildoers, as Psalm 5 says, we do not pass judgment. We do not condemn. Let me say that. And we also understand that while God is patient with the sinner, I think we can be too. Um, and you think about us as a church. Our goal is not to keep sin from walking in those doors. Can't do it. We can't keep sin from walking in those doors. We walk in every Sunday. Yeah. And what we do, our fight is not at that door, but it begins at our heart. Our fight against sin begins at our heart. We want to keep the four... The, the, we, 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 don't, it's, we can't keep sin out of these four walls, but we can fight to keep sin out of this, these four walls. You know, and while we, we don't say, the doors, uh, I can't, I don't like seeing these church signs that say, they just make this idea of like, it's all inclusive no matter what. No problem, no charge, no, no and it, I don't like it. Because there is a standard that we hold ourselves to one another when we say we are a Christian. So as as people come in and they say, I'm a believer, well, we say, join us. And then when we see sin that's in their lives, we say, hey, what about, what about that sin? We fight against our sin and we look to help others with it. We can't keep it out. Um, I kind of rambled off notes there, so... Let me move on. Uh, back to mercy doesn't abandon truth, but it is patient with those who lack it or misunderstand it. Uh, go read Romans 14 this week and look how Paul deals with this idea um, about passing judgment on one another. We've got the weak in faith uh, who quarrel over their opinion on what to eat and what not to eat in Romans 14. And he says, who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? Uh, let me see. There's a specific verse. Uh, 
read Romans 14. And the whole idea is that there, uh, you're, going to, you're going to encounter people who don't understand some things of, of truth, of Scripture. They might not have matured to the point that they, they get it yet. And our job is not to condemn or to remove them, but to be patient with them. To love them where they are. And basically, uh, read Romans 14 this week and see the mercy that we're to have upon others who might not know the truth. Alright, last thing. Uh, the mercy, our mercy opens the doors for conversations for relationships, for salvation. Mercy opens a door for conversations, relationships, and salvation. Mercy does not examine a person to see what sin they have or what type of sinner they are. It's not the case. We don't, we don't, we don't say, oh, so-and-so moved in. I don't think I can hang out with them. He's an alcoholic. I don't think I'm going to go talk to him. He's an alcoholic. I don't think I'm going to invite him over for supper because he's been divorced three times. Shame on us. Shame on us if we examine people based on their sin. Jesus said, you're in the world, not of the world. Paul said, if you're not going to hang out with the sexual immoral, if you're not going to hang out with the sexual immoral of the world, then you're not going to be hanging out with anybody. Mercy opens the door for gospel conversations, for relationships. This is hard stuff, folks. I'm sitting here struggling within my heart. We must be open to relationships with sinners. Right. Yeah. And there's always that, yeah, and there's always that that twinge of self-righteousness that sits in the back of our hearts. And it's difficult, but it's, it's what we're called to. It's what call, God has called us to. If God would abandon us because of our sin, we have no hope. So we can't walk around life thinking, ah, you know, they're going to have to help themselves before I help them. What if God said that to you? Whew. Or they just don't have that doctrine right, so I don't think I need to really talk to them. They got to get that one figured out first. Good luck. We, we must be people who are merciful. Must be people who are patient. It goes a lot, a lot, a lot along the lines of meekness. But basically, we have, to, we have to remember. How do you fight against this? How do you fight against it? You, you have to preach the gospel to yourself every day. You have to look back. Now, Paul says, I forget what's, what's back. But he doesn't mean not that I don't remember what God has done for me. In order to know what God has done for you, you do have to remember to what, who you were and what you were. But you don't dwell on it. 
but it propels you, as he says. I strain, I press on, I strain forward for the upward call of Christ Jesus. Gospel conversations start when we open ourselves and are merciful to people who aren't lovable, aren't gentle, aren't kind. And we can't say, well, that's just not who I am. That's not who God made me to be. Well, that might be true, but he's put his spirit in you, so he's expecting something a little bit different now. We can't make an excuse. That's just not my, I'm just not that kind of person. Well, he's, he's making you to be like Jesus, so we have no excuse. And you, you look at Zacchaeus. What a wee little man, huh? Climbs up in a sycamore tree. Tax collector. He probably stole so many people's money, made so many people mad. What did Jesus do? He said, I'm coming to your house tonight for supper. And what happened? He came down. And then he gave, he gave his money to the poor. And he said, whoever I've wronged, I'm going to give them fourfold. No, I know because I did in my That's right. Jesus could have said, no, Zacchaeus, you just stay up there. I'm going to go to somebody else's house. Now he ate with a wicked tax collector and saved his soul. That's mercy. Let's pray. Father, we, I just ask that you will um, increase our understanding of your mercy upon our lives, upon our hearts, that we might be fruitful and merciful to all people to one another, to the cashier, to our waitress, to our neighbors. Remove the wickedness within our hearts. Cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Remind us, God, each morning that your mercies are new. And remind us as we seek to be merciful, as you are merciful, that in the end, we will receive mercy. And we thank you, God, for that because we know we're going we're gonna to fumble this one. I know I already do. So we look forward to the completion of your mercy on that day when we see your face. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. A long day with business meeting.